0: is the second Sunday of the year. Uh, And so these first few Sundays, one, two, and three, we are getting on the same page as a church. That's literally the title of the series. We are, it's on the same page. And we're going to walk through, we walked through our mission last week. Today, we're going to walk through our vision as a church. And next week, we'll walk through our values. You know, who are we? What are we about? Why are we here? That's what we're talking about. And so last week, we talked about our mission. The mission statement is what pushes us forward. What is our mission? We talked about last week, Our, as God's church, our mission is to be about his mission. Simply put, our mission is to be what, about what God is about, to prioritize what he prioritizes. That's our mission. So what is God about? What is God doing? Last week, we discovered that God's primary mission in 2023, just like it's been for the last 2,000 years, is to renew all things in Jesus Christ. That's what God is doing right now. So we at Calvary the Hill want to join him in pushing that mission forward, to renew all things in Jesus Christ. That's our mission as a church family. Okay, so if our, if our mission was what pushes us forward, our vision pulls us forward. If our mission is what God is doing, our, mi- or our vision is what we are doing in response and in obedience. So today we are laying out our vision as a church. And we're just going to jump right to it. Go ahead and throw up the slide. If it, I think there is one. Our Is it? Bingo. Our vision. What are we doing? We are forming a family of spirit-filled disciples of Jesus who are committed to Capitol Hill in truth and love. That's what we're doing. That is our vision at Calvary the Hill. And this vision is where we want God to take us. This is, this is where we see ourselves in, in six months, in three years, in 10 years, in 20 years. We want to have formed a family of spirit-filled disciples who are committed to Jesus. Oh, sorry, uh, <laughs> spirit-filled disciples of Jesus who are committed to Capitol Hill in truth and love. Granted, we're committed to Jesus too, but it's through Jesus that we're committed to Capitol Hill. This is where we want God to take us. This is is what's pulling us forward. And so in that sense, it's it's not what we're doing at all. It's what he is doing. This is where God is taking us, and this is what we all get to participate in. It's exciting. And so next week, we'll look at our values, which is sort of the how. Like, how are we doing this? But today, we're, we're pondering this vision. And so today, as we ponder this vision of where we are going, let's, let's read some of Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he, they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted or wavered. Dear Father, I pray that you would confirm this vision through your word. God, convict our hearts. Set them ablaze for what you'd have us do as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if God's mission is is truly to renew all things in Jesus Christ, then that's the only way. It makes sense for a human being, a human being, to say such audacious words here. These words that come out of Jesus' mouth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And these are, who are these disciples of? They're disciples of Jesus. He says, go and make disciples for me that will be my disciples, that will look to me as their teacher, as their Lord, as their master. Why? Because Jesus is the one person in human history upon which human history rests. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Because he is the person by which God is renewing all things. Because he is the Savior and Lord of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And so bringing yourself and others with you to the feet of Jesus, Master, Teacher, Savior, Boss, God, this is the single most important and wise decision you could ever make. Placing yourself under this teacher. Because he's not just a teacher saying good stuff. He saved you. By his death and resurrection, he cleanses you. He reconciles you with God. He gifts you eternal life. This is the single most important decision you could ever make. And so this is what he has us doing as a capital C church that he commissioned this day, and as a local expression of his body here. Bringing ourselves and others with us to the feet of Jesus. That's what we're about. And so this vision statement includes three aspects. It has a what, a who, and a where. What are we doing? We are forming disciples. Jesus. Who are we doing it with? We're doing it with one another as a family with the help of the Holy Spirit. Where are we doing it? Capitol Hill. This is the Great Commission contextualized for us for Calvary the Hill. This is our vision. And so let's dive into each one of those. What are we doing? We are forming disciples of Jesus. And that word forming, you know, it comes from spiritual formation, which is basically a fancy term that combines everything that Jesus says right here. You know, He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. That's spiritual formation. It's a lifelong process starting with baptism. You know, baptism is sort of day one of your Christian life. And then it's an ongoing learning, teaching. How do I observe all that Jesus has commanded? That's formation. And it goes on until you die <laughs> or until he comes back. And you, But you notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them and teaching them all of my commands. That's not what he says. He says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Does this include teaching Jesus' commands? Absolutely. But it's more than that. Because it's a life. Teach them to observe it, to keep it, to do it. He doesn't just want us to know about him. He doesn't want us to just know the Bible. Jesus wants us to keep his commands, to do as he did, to love as he loved, to be holy as he is holy, to pray as he prayed, to embody the ways of Jesus, right? Christianity is not just a religion primarily composed of believing the right things, can Can you look at this document and say, check, 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 check. Yeah, I believe all that. It's not just that. Granted, doctrine and beliefs are important, but it's more than that. We are not disciples of a set of rules. We are not disciples of a set of beliefs. We are disciples of a resurrected and living human being who is God, who saved you from your sin, your brokenness, your shame, and wants in exchange, all of you. Every part of you he wants because he saved every part of you. Paul says to the Galatian church, he says, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's what the goal is, for Christ to be formed in us. And that's why we're doing this. That's why we're trying to abide by his commission here to make disciples and baptize them and teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. So, what are we doing? We are forming disciples of Jesus. And then, who are we doing it with? We're doing it together. And we're also doing it with the help of the Spirit of Christ. You know, he says in verse 20, Behold I am with you always to the end of the age. He knows we can't do this alone. We can't just we can't make disciples alone and we can't remain a disciple alone. We need one another to both make disciples and to remain a disciple, to stay on track with Jesus. So we're forming a family of spirit-filled disciples. The Great Commission is not just for you to take and go and try and do this alone. It can't be done. This is a group effort. We do the Great Commission here in partnership with each other and with God. We're going to turn to Ephesians. We spent the the last year in Ephesians, and it talks a lot about the church. You know, Jesus gives this commission, and he gives it to the church, and Ephesians is a book written... Primarily for the church, what it is, what it's for, what it's doing, how it was made. So we're going to start in Ephesians 2. Take a look at Ephesians 2, starting in verse 17. We're basically looking at how we need each other. How do we need each other to accomplish this this vision? So starting in Ephesians 2, verse 17, Paul writes, And Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's the family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Notice, it is the Spirit who is building this household of God. It is the Spirit who is joining this family together. And fast forward to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Paul says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice that when we're not doing this together what happens? We are tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. What, What protects us from that? It is the togetherness. It is the speaking the truth in love to one another that keeps us in the boat. But notice that last line. It says when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There are two things that we offer to one another in the family of God. The first thing? Love. Love. Jesus said, A new command I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. That's the first thing that we need from one another, is love. (laughs) But the second thing we need, we see there in that last sentence, when each part is working properly. What does that mean? It means we not only need love from one another, we need one another's unique self. We need who you are, your gifts, your talents, your personality, you. We need that amongst one another. We are able to properly care for one another when we are acting as our true selves in Christ. You are not supposed to be anybody else but you. You're supposed to be you. And God can use and wants to use you uniquely. He has specifically gifted and equipped you to be a contributing member of his family of disciples. So when we are built up in love like this, we become a witness community. You know, Jesus said that by this, they, as in people not in the church, will know that you are my disciples by your love for who? One another. So it's when this is happening that we become a community that bears witness before a watching world of the worthiness of our master, the worthiness of Christ. Oh, wow, they're disciples of Jesus. We need each other's love and we need each other's unique gifts. And who else do we need to accomplish this? God. We need God. We need his love and we need his power. So we need each other and then we need God. We are forming who? Spirit-filled disciples. Disciples. Disciples who have access to the power of God made available through Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. And if we need one another's love, how much more do we need the love of God? But we don't just need God's love, we need his power, right? And you know what's funny? A chapter earlier, in chapter 3, we find... we that we need God's power to understand God's love. God's love is so intense for you that you need God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit to even get the fact that God loves you. Look in Ephesians 3, uh, uh, verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, knowledge. Paul is saying, I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you to understand that God loves you. We need, power, we, need, we need God to help us know that we are loved. It's no wonder that so many people don't know or feel loved. It's hard to feel loved. The enemy does not want you to feel loved. That's why God gives you the spirit and says, he convinces you that you're loved. It's like him every day being inside of you, shaking you up and saying, no, I love you. That's what the spirit does. That's one of the Holy Spirit's jobs. And Elsewhere in Romans, Paul says, the spirit is there to shed abroad the love of God in our hearts for our own sake and also to be able to share it. So we need God's power to understand God's love for us, but we also need his power to even have a chance at carrying out this great commission. Right? This is power for a purpose. You know, immediately before Jesus ascended to heaven and disappeared, he said this to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit provides power for three specific reasons. Firstly, we just talked about it. He helps us to grasp the love of God. To know that you are God's beloved. You are. Do you know that? God wants you to know it more and more every single day of your life. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals that truth to you. That's the first thing. The second thing, he empowers us to build one another up. He gives us gifts, not only of words, but also of actions to serve and to encourage one another. This is through words of wisdom and and knowledge and prophecy, which is a a fancy word that just means bringing God's word to bear on a present circumstance. Sometimes it's future-oriented, but most of the time in Scripture, prophecy is present tense. God's word applies to this situation. So he empowers us to build one another up. And he also empowers us and helps us to be a witness for Jesus in the world. He loves the people you know. Every person you know, God loves. And he loves them more than you do. And so he empowers you and helps you to be a witness to them. A testimony, a living living epistle. A living example of God's work in the world. Proof that God loves. And he'll give you specific words and ways to minister to those people that you love, that he loves too. He wants to partner with you to bear witness to everyone, his goodness and his love. So those are are three of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, to help us grasp the love of God, to empower us to build one another up as well as to be a witness beyond these walls, beyond the the confines of our family, to bring people in. So he gives power for a purpose. And what is that purpose? The purpose is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said. And what is Capitol Hill if not the ends of the earth? I mean, relative to Jerusalem, it sure is we're here. (laughs) We're at the ends of the earth. So where are we doing it? Where are we forming disciples? Where are we partnering with one another and the Holy Spirit? We're doing it right here in Capitol Hill. You know, our church logo is a it's a a tree planted in the midst of buildings, man-made buildings, a sea of them. And, And the message of that logo is that God has planted us here. He has done it. And he's done it to be an outpost of the kingdom of God. How many of you have been able to keep a plant alive for 12 years? <laughs> Probably a few of you, but that's hard. <laughs> it's hard to keep a plant alive. It's not easy to do, but that's, that's what we were. We were a, a tiny baby church plant that had no business surviving in this neighborhood. We wouldn't still be here unless God had willed it. There are countless church startups, church plants, old historic church buildings that have all either faded away or been torn down. But God can keep a tender plant alive for as long as he wants. And he has. And here we still are. Why? Why? I'm guessing it's because God, the creator of the universe, loves Capitol Hill. He loves Capitol Hill. And all the people who reside here He loves this neighborhood, and he has given us, gifted us an opportunity to be that love for this neighborhood. To be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ for the people here. And so here we are, Capitol Hill. What's it like? Well, there's a lot of people here. It's one of the most densely populated areas in Seattle. There's 32,000 people in 1.6 square miles. 20,000 people per square mile. And there's plenty of people that need Jesus here. And it's the seed of culture in Seattle. In some ways, the nation. You know, when there's a reason that CHOP slash CHAZ happened here. And not anywhere else. It's because it has a significance. Culturally, the things that happen here matter. And so the fact that God has placed us here is crazy. And it's an honor. And here we are. So it's a densely populated area. There's a diversity of people. You know, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples Of all nations. At the end of the book, Revelation, we see people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation on their knees glorifying Jesus Christ. That's what's gonna happen. And so Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations. Guess what? They're all here. They're all here. We can reach the nations through this neighborhood. Granted, some of us are called to also go, to fly, to to travel, to go short, long-term, and go overseas and stuff like that. Do it, if God calls you to that. Our sister Chris Rep right now is in Georgia, not the state, the country, and she's ministering over there. So we support and love that. But right now, we're here. We're called here. And we can reach the nation's through this neighborhood. And we need wisdom to do that. So there's density, there's diversity, and then there's desperation. There is a lot of hurt here. A lot. You can see it everywhere you walk. People carry it on their faces, on their sleeves. There's a lot of hurt. It's not just in the people sleeping across the street right now. There's there's a lot of hurt in every demographic that you encounter. This neighborhood is hurting, but that's no reason for us to shy away because God doesn't shy away from hurting people. God the Father, in the story of the prodigal son, he, he embarrassed himself by you know, hiking up his trousers and running to his son that rejected him, that gave him the middle finger, stole his money and wasted it. And yet we find that this father figure was constantly scanning the horizon, waiting for this horrible son to come back. And when he did, he's crawling, he's scared, he's practicing his elevator pitch to be a servant. And and God embraces him, he kisses him, he puts his best coat on him, he puts shoes on his feet, and he says, kill the cow, we're going to eat good tonight. And that's how God feels about every person in this neighborhood. He runs towards his hurting children. And that's the heart not only he has, but he wants to create that heart in us. He wants to change our hearts to have his heart for all of the people. I don't know about you, but I can't create that heart in myself. I don't have that kind of a heart for people that are hurting, God does but he can create it. He can form that heart within us as we minister to to the 30,000-ish people in this neighborhood. And that's why we are committed to Capitol Hill, but we're not just committed to Capitol Hill in general. We're committed to Capitol Hill in truth and love. And that's sort of been our half-mission statement for a decade. Committed to Capitol Hill in truth and love. And so... You know, we learned here in Ephesians that we are to speak to one another in truth and love. But we are also to embody truth and love in all our dealings in this neighborhood. Everything we do should smell like love and taste like truth. And it should have a beautiful combination. And at the s- <laughs> And saying it again, I don't know about you, but I cannot do that. I cannot rightly balance truth and love. I always veer off towards one ditch or the other. But love without truth isn't really love. And truth without love is bankrupt. So where do we go from there? Thankfully, there is someone. There is someone who can rightly hold... Both, truth and love. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read you two verses in John chapter 1 that talk about Jesus. It says, John 1:14, the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then a couple verses later, it says, the law came was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You know, grace, grace is simply a byproduct of God's love. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, lavishing of favor that God has for each of us who are in Jesus Christ. But there is a person, there is a person who can be truth and love At the same time, the only way we, as his disciples, can hold truth and love together simultaneously is by sticking close. Sticking close to the only one who can embrace both things perfectly. That's the only way. It's the only way we can proclaim to this neighborhood the truth that each of us is so full of sin that Jesus had to die. That's a painful truth. That you're so sinful that God had to become a man and die for you. But that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to do so. And in fact, for the joy set before him did so. The joy of being united to you. So we at at Calvary the Hill, we have a glorious opportunity to be an outpost of the kingdom of God here. We have the humbling opportunity to trust in Jesus, to be able to balance or or hold to each of these tightly, to not let truth go and not let love go. We have to have both. We have to cling to both. But the only way we can do so is clinging to Jesus. So as we seek to make, baptize, and walk beside each disciple of Christ that is in our family, we have been graciously adopted as his beloved sons, daughters. Let us with joy, rest, peace, excitement, eagerly and zealously, as we saw last week, get to the task of forming a family of disciples who are spirit-filled, who are committed to Capitol Hill and truth and love. So help us, God. We can only do this if God blesses us. But we want to be open-handed. We want to say, God, we know you can do great things. We don't just know that because we're supposed to say that. We know that because he's done great things in our own hearts. We were that prodigal son. And yet God lavished his love and mercy on us and called us beloved. So we are going to do it. That's our vision. To form a family of spirit-filled disciples of Jesus who are committed to capital on truth and love. Let's pray. Please God, help us. Empower us. Convince us of your love. And then give us that same love for our neighbors here. Lord, the only way we can we can embody the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ is if Jesus, you indwell us, is if you give us wisdom, is if you give us creativity, you give us care and attention for those that don't receive attention. You need to give us these things because we cannot do it on our own. We need you. And so we, as a church family, Lord, we just cry out to you for that help. As the psalm said, make haste to help us in this, God. Thank you that it's it's not just some cool thing that we're doing, Lord. This is what you're doing. And so we, we, we don't want to carry the burden as if it's all on our shoulders, but we want to partner with you and hold your hand as you pursue each person in this neighborhood. Lord, And in each heart that's represented here, I pray that you would put a specific calling for them. Show them what their part is in loving Capitol Hill, in being called to the mission here, And join our hearts, Lord. Together, unify us, Lord, under one purpose. And we just give it to you, the church, our church, your church. We just present to you, and we want you to do your thing. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to spend some time just worshiping.